The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Danny Cannell. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. Uh, We have a lot to get to today, including, of course, uh, our picks against the spread on the total for Army-Navy. That game coming up on Saturday. America's game, 3 p.m. Eastern time. You can watch it on CBS. You can stream it for free on CBSSports.com. And you should join us for the Cover 3 Army-Navy watch party here on YouTube.com slash Cover 3. Thanks to all of you that are joining us at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 for this extra special uh, weekend preview edition. We're also going to open things up. You have just one game on the slate. Uh, to some of the other uh, you know, moving pieces within college football, including what does the future look like for the Clemson football program? Athletic director uh, Dan Radakovich set to be uh, reportedly set to be introduced as Miami's new athletic director later today on Thursday. Tony Elliott sure seems like it is getting really close to him being introduced as the new coach at Virginia. So that means OC, DC, AD, Ooh, those are those are some open jobs uh, that are very significant within the college sports landscape. You know, what does that mean for Debo Sweeney and the Tigers program? We'll get to that. College football playoff expansion, you know, early signing period, just a lot of topics that are kind of bubbling uh, at this point in the season. But we begin. Do we do we play the 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 locks theme for this, guys, or do you, do you think we just dive into a uh, to game preview? Because I got some good gambling notes here before we get to our actual locks. And and does this count for the season total, or is that wrapped? Uh, that's what let's I throw it in there. Let's throw it in there. I got to catch Tom. I got to catch oh. him. <laughs> well, let's see here. Um, yeah, I mean, we can count it. I don't think we've ever counted it before, but I don't care. I'm all for change. All right, let's lock it up. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming since 2005 when Service Academy's five-star master lock. Lock it up. The under is 33.9. We've gone over it a million times. I'm I'm living and dying every every point, every cover. There were some requests for um, new locks music. 
I think I can do that this this offseason because we need to update the record. I've got to get either uh, a drop of disciplined Danny, undisciplined Danny, or DK two for one special. You know, just like something that's like very on brand for uh, for what you're bringing to the to to the locks pod and, and some of your favorite plays. But Tom, do you have our updated uh, service academy unders right now? Why, yes. As a matter of fact, I do. Uh, since 2005, Chip, the under in games between service academies is 40-9-1. and one. I have to say that dash because I don't want people to get confused and think I'm saying 49-1 and one because that would only be close to what the record is. The record is actually 49-1, and one, including 2-0 this year. How about each of the last 15 meetings specifically between Army-Navy has gone under and that streak begins right before Ken Navy coach Ken Niamatololo took over. Uh, the under is 13-0 when he is the head coach in this rivalry. Uh, in terms of the, the back and forth, Army's won four out of the last five in the series. If Army loses, then Army retains the commander-in-chief trophy. If Army wins, then they claim it outright on the season. Army eight and three straight up, six and five against the spread. Uh, the under in Army's games are six and five. For Navy, three and eight straight up, seven and four against the spread. Uh, likewise, the under is six and five. Uh, Danny, you are going to be part of some extra special CBS Sports HQ coverage. You are coming to us live from the city. So are you going to be in MetLife Stadium? Uh, go ahead and set the scene and let us know what we can expect from uh, from the coverage on CBS Sports HQ. I can't wait. I've been to the site of the Army-Navy game probably five years running with Sirius XM. Oh, cool. But I've always done a Friday radio show and then gotten back to my family. This is the first time I will actually be at the game. I will go watch the the march on and see the, you know, the, the grand entrance, the pomp and circumstance, stick around for the game. But yeah, HQ... I got to talk to our guy, Dane. Got to iron out the exact details of where our set is going to be. I'm not sure if it's on the field, if it's in one of the terminals. I don't know if it's outside the stadium. I think it's a little bit of everything. We might be all over the place. I think we're doing a halftime hit, too. My guess is on the field because uh, there was a credential requested there. So I cannot wait for that. It's going to be awesome. I mean, I've taken in a lot of rivalries, always heard. And this one gets overlooked so often, too, because when you think about greatest you know, rivalries, go Iron Bowl, Ohio State, Michigan, you know, kind of the usual suspects. But this one with the history of these two schools going at it, uh, unbelievable. So I cannot wait. It's very basic and been a running theme throughout the entire season. But this is a game where I'm happy fans are in the stands. Like, do you remember the fanless Army Navy last year? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Didn't didn't quite hit the same. So I'm I'm excited to to see all the cadets uh, in the stands as well. Um, as your Tom, go ahead. I'll let you take a lead here because there there are there are some expectations uh, in terms of what your pick is in this game. But let's also look at it from the aspect of um, you know what kind of contest you expect where Army has been the better team for so much of the season, but yet we have seen this game often uh, deliver a result that's going to be closer than expected. How, how are you attacking this, not only from the total, but even your expectations for the side? I mean, I would, I would assume it's going to be close. Like, I don't, do you want me to just get into my locks real quick and then yeah, explain let's them? Look. Right. Well, sure. obviously, I'm on the under 34 and a half. I don't really Same. need to explain that. Obvi. Obvi. But like, <laughs> 
this is, I, I'm also going to be taking Navy plus seven. And it's because just the way that these games work, it's like Army's probably going to win because it has been the better team all season long. And typically in this game, the better team does win. It's just usually neither team is really able to pull away from the other one just because of the style of play. It's an option offense. You're limiting possessions. And when you're going up against another option offense, like it's not crazy to think that each team's going to get one possession per quarter. You know what I mean? So it's it's hard to blow a team out when you've only got the ball four or five times and they're getting the ball four or five times too. So it's going to come down to turnovers. Games like this usually do if, if Army takes care of the football, it's probably going to win because I think it's better than Navy, but I will take Navy in the points. I do expect it to be low scoring. I do expect it to be close. And yeah, so I am on under 34 and a half, and I'm on Navy plus seven and a half. Danny? Man. I So the lowest total of the season so far was 35 and a half Iowa Wisconsin that game went under <laughs> last year the total in this game was 36 the lowest of any game during the 15 and 0 army streak that game was won 15 to nothing mm-hmm. I I want I'm so bad I want to go over <laughs> I'm going to go over I I think it's going to buck oh, the trend and I also <laughs> I also, and I want to catch Tom, by the way, too. I also am going to lay the seven and a half with the Army Black Knights and take the favorite, bucking the trend as of late. Let's go. I I can get you seven, and okay. I can get you well, 34. Better. So. Even better. Let's go. I'm taking some of those, although, man, this is totally bucking the trend. That's that are all of the trends that are out there. Um, I worry about this game for Ken Miyamatololo. Like, I wonder if this maybe is his last game as the head coach at Navy. And it kind of started, remember last year's kickoff game against BYU? Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, empty stadium. So it was weird. And the game was an absolute beatdown. And Ken Niamatololo after was frustrated. He apologized. We haven't been tackling. And it kind of was the beginning of this downward spiral because it's been a rough couple years. I just wonder if Ken Niamatololo decides to either walk away or they tell him to walk away, one or the other. Um, I don't think Navy's not very good. So I, And I like what Jeff Munkin did. They had the little three-game losing stretch during the middle of the season. That game, they gave up 70 to Wake, but then, then getting it back on track, although the Air Force game was close. <laughs> which kind of goes to these always being close for the commander-in-chief's trophy. But if I'm going to take the over, I do think if the over hits, it's got to be like a 35-3 to three, like mm-hmm. blowout from Army. I don't know if Navy's going to put up many points. So I think Army could win this one, and it could get a little sideways for this rivalry. But last year was a blowout, 15 to nothing, according to these standards. So I'm talking myself out of it. Man, well, I'm sticking with it. I'm catching Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think no, no, you got to stick with it. Um, <laughs> it was so long ago, but worth noting. Remember when offensive coordinator Ivan Jasper got fired, but then brought back? Like to your point that about came back, the, yeah. <laughs> to your point about the way that this has been a little bit shaky for Navy. Um, but uh, first of all, uh, I am one hundred percent going to be on uh, the under and. But Elliot is going to be on 
the over. So you know what that means, gentlemen. Which means two weeks in a row. One, two, three, four. I, I declare, declare lock. lock. Only appropriate that we have a lock war in during the, uh, Army Navy. Yeah, during Army Navy. So, uh, yeah, this I'm the is only Patriot out here who wants to see. Well, Bud is. We're the Patriots. You guys want to see low scoring? I want to see fireworks. All right, I so, want to see success. No, 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 no. It's I want to see the true like land grab because isn't that the? I mean, the principle mm-hmm. of sort of like yes. the option offense in the beginning of football. Right. Like it, it is militaristic land grab. We're slowly going to take over this we're going to have you retreat you're going to have you back up um but you're going to colonize the hell out of this field we're not going to call it a colony though but we're going to colonize the hell out yes it is yeah i I love the uh the the land grab um idea the the land grab perspective of football it goes back to the sports roots very very american uh i also am going to be taking navy on this one and i cannot help but ignore I cannot help but uh, pay attention and try and try to like note without overreacting that Navy, you know, I mentioned seven and four against the spread, but they could have quit. I mean, this is a team that looked so bad early that a bottom fallout type situation would suggest that, yeah, like this team might have been three and eight straight up and three and eight against the spread. You know, we saw like, remember the, I always go back uh, to the final year of Bobby Petrino at Louisville as one of the most stunning bottom fallout situations that I'd seen where, you know, they had not only lost their last eight or nine games, but also didn't cover the spread and not only didn't cover the spread, but also wasn't covering the spread by like 10 points. Like they were 17 point underdogs losing by 27 on average. It, it was, it was incredible, but that's not what we've had here with Navy. That obviously we remember them playing Cincinnati pretty close. That was a 28 and a half point spread. It was 27 to 20. And Ken Niamatololo has so much pride with this program. I would think that even if he is about to walk off or, you know, get out of there, I would hope that he's not going to mail it in on, you know, this kind of game. So I'm with, with the low, low total that I'm expecting, obviously by taking the under and with uh, and and with Navy, the way that it kind of has been uh, a little bit feisty, uh, I will take the seven. We can't get seven and a hook anymore. I can get you seven and a hook. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's that's what I want. That hook is huge. A little uh, weather update. Unseasonably warm. It's been freezing. It's still yeah. cold out right now, but I think it's going to be like game temp of 65. Watch out. Not that I don't know if it matters or not. Yeah, like by I the way, Navy, like Navy next week here. Navy played a playoff team to within a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. That's what that offense is designed to do. It just makes it really hard for you to pull away. Like think back to last couple years ago when it was Oklahoma and Army, and that game went to overtime on pay per view, and none of us could see it. That was that's just what they when they play well. There's nobody that can pull away from them. But even looking at the two rushing offenses. Like there is a like per there is a down to down basis difference between these two teams yes. running the ball and a down to down basis down to down difference between these two teams defending the run. Like Army is better in both of those categories. They mm-hmm. run the ball between fifty eight and sixty one times a game each, but yet there's like 
70 yard per game differential between the two and with army having the advantage. And then when we talk about rush defense, I think that army is like in the top 15 or so while Navy's outside the top 30. Like there's, there are all these like uh, per game and down to down differences that Navy has to close the gap. And I, and that's what I'm you know hoping for obviously here is not just that they're going to be able to keep it close because the game's going to be low scoring, but that they're going to have to, really raise their level of play, which I don't know, underdog in a rivalry game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's like, if you go back to what you're talking about, brush defense, just if you want to use some advanced stats, aren't neither of them are elite, obviously, because, you know, they just don't have the talent for it, but army ranks 52nd nationally in defensive EPA against the run while Navy's 91st and in success rate, Army is 14th while Navy is 86. So that is a legitimate concern. And it is part of the reason to think that Army is the more likely of the two to just have a quote-unquote perfect day, whereas Navy might get stopped one or two times. What about um, the wind conditions? Because we just said the, if the temps are high, then we're not necessarily in the, uh, the wonder category. But if we got red zone stops... We might have some field goal attempts and field goal attempts, even though we're talking about teams that only throw the ball like seven or eight times a game, we could still have, you know, field goal attempts that get pushed around by that wind. All right. So here's where it's interesting. There's not going to be a lot of wind and temperatures are supposed to be in the low fifties for this one. But while they're overcast skies at the beginning of the game, we've got some possible rain moving in as the game goes along. So it could be Uh two option offenses playing in the rain. Turnover, scoop and score. Yeah, no, that would that could lead to typically, yeah, like bad weather like that, rain and Philly's turf. So it's not like it's you know the plastic grass; it's the real stuff. There's MetLife. We're in the Giants. Oh, we're at MetLife. That's right. Oh, so then uh, the rain might not have as big of a factor then, as far as that's concerned. But yeah, fumbles will be a big problem. And wet footballs with option offenses, not great. Watch out! Do y'all have get nervous? Are we going to have any uh, any any presidential arrivals or anything that uh, that you have to worry about for security purposes? Oh, haven't yeah, told get us there early. Haven't told us. I don't know uh, exactly what that's going to look like. But there was, you know, there's always the give your background, you know, or a like driver's license number and that type of stuff. They do the quick background. I don't think they even announce it if they are going to come. Like it's supposed to, as they don't want you to know. But haven't we been at a couple national title games at the presidential arrival and the word kind of like slowly gets out? And it's I think it'll like day of. I don't know if it'll be out this early, but like, yeah, day of game, we'll start to know. I'll let you guys know for sure. You'll know when you get to the stadium and it takes you three hours to get inside. Yeah. I was going to say, like, you can tell me. I mean, I guess that's cool. I'm probably more concerned for you and just making sure that you can like get in there and, uh, and just early enough for my 11 a.m. hit. It's just mm-hmm. don't be don't be alarmed when you see the the heavily armed people coming in the elevator with you. <laughs> like what? Yep. <laughs> um, okay. Any anything else from this game? Again, uh, three p.m. Eastern time is the kickoff. You can watch it on CBS. You can watch it on CBSSports.com. Uh, Army, you know, favored by about seven seven and a half. Our total currently sitting around 34, 34 and a half. You know, depending on where you want it, of course, go, ahead, go get out there and shop around. Anything else that you're keeping your eyes on here? Uh, other than when you're watching it on CBS, make sure you're watching us on YouTube at the same time. No. Second screen experience, youtube.com slash cover three for the cover three watch party. We will have some special guests. We will be, um, you know, giving like. For example, uh, during our halftime, like definitely have a, have a screen for CBS Sports HQ to watch Danny on CBS Sports HQ. 
I know I'm sure they'll include this as part of it of that, but you know, we'll be making halftime picks, hitting that live line, giving you those second half picks, being able to uh, give you the opportunity, no matter what you took pregame uh, to jump in there. But very excited about that army and Navy coming up this weekend. Again, the live show, youtube.com slash cover three. Yeah, if the halftime live line is 17, <laughs> you're going over. No. I'm going to be firing live under after live under after live under every after every possession. I'm going to fire the under. Okay, so um, Weston actually asked this earlier in the live chat, and again, I was uh, I was talking to uh, my my good friend Paul, who listens to the podcast. He listens on Spotify. Thank you, Paul. And he was like, "Oh, did people are watching?" I was like, "Yeah, a lot of people are watching and talking to us through the whole show." Weston in the live chat says. At what total would Tom actually consider the over? Uh, the chat has its own suggestions. Tom, I want to go ahead and uh, ask you, at what number would you actually consider the over in Army-Navy? Um, According to my numbers, my numbers. I sh- should be taking the over now. Ooh. But, but as I've talked about with Bud before, when, we, when Bud made this dumbass mistake during the Navy Air Force game earlier this season when he was foolish enough to go against me in the locks with it, th- the numbers always tell you to take the over in this game. But the over never hits. That's the reason why the totals are always as high as they are compared to what the final score is, because sports books go off those numbers, but they don't factor in just a lot of the stuff that tends to happen in these games. With that said... The totals are getting lower. They, like a, couple, a few years ago, the totals for these games were still in the upper 40s. At least they've kind of started catching on and handicapping it down to the 30s. But still, it might lose. It, it doesn't matter. It's a principal thing. You take the under. There's no reason to take the over because the over never hits. Um, and the response, uh, Wade guessed that 20 was where you might take an over. I would take the under. Kevin says 20 and a half and Dwight says two and a half (laughs) over because somebody's got to win. So yeah, no two and a half is the correct answer. Yeah. At two and a half, Tom Fernelli begins to consider uh, what about seven and a half over under under seven, nothing. Come on. We just saw 15, nothing. Yeah. It's it's not that far away. Coming up on the other side. Oh yeah, actually we'll address this on the other side. Coming up on the other side, we start to look at uh, some big moving pieces from all around college football. We'll get into what's ahead for a new era of Clemson football and more next. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
Uh, Bud, by the way, um, is great. Uh, some people asking, you know, where Bud's at. I don't know. Has he, has he done any like Twitter announcements or anything? I don't think so. He's, he's, he's fantastic. Maggie is fantastic. I believe he said on the show many times that, you know, his wife is very pregnant and, um, everyone is very excited about the new addition to their family. I don't want to spoil his like, you know, big announcement of, of name and everything, but cover um, three podcast, Elliot, welcome to the world. I'm excited for him to tell you all about closing line value, Elliot, uh, (laughs) coming, coming into the world, but he's, he's great. Maggie's great. The family's good. And, um, and he will be back with us, but of course, very important, things that uh that he is tending to right now he's uh, making a terrible mistake though betting the over because it's like now you've got two kids to pay college for and you're just gonna throw that money away you need to start investing better but you gotta be smarter <laughs> about it well he's he said he already did a, a huge fist pump over uh just the fact that it was another boy on the no wedding payments <laughs> <laughs> and, he point, and i remember he pointed the conversation at danny he was like yeah yeah he's like yeah. we D- Danny's really loading up on uh, these alt lines, trying to catch Tom and trying to save for future weddings. I got three of them. Let's go. That's side of fun now. First quarter team total, Elliot. Uh, you know, congratulations from Wills. All right, so a lot of movement here, and the thing that's so interesting to me is that we can talk about Clemson, but the impacts of this are are very like wide ranging because. Dan Radakovich, the former Clemson athletic director, as we started recording here today, it was made official. He's going to be the next athletic director at Miami. Um, My read on Dan Radakovich's time at Clemson is that he was a projects guy. Uh, You know, the indoor facility, brand new, uh, Little John Coliseum got renovation. They got a new softball stadium. Like once all these projects were done, um, it's, it's not that there was nothing for him to do, but you know he'd moved around from place to place. He'd been sort of moving up the ladder. Certainly, there are many projects that are involved with what's in the future of Miami. And as we mentioned the first time that we talked about this move, uh, he did get his, um, his graduate degree from Miami, and I believe he spent some of his early time at Miami as well. So he goes to team up with Mario Cristobal. When you say Clemson's athletic director and Oregon's head coach have met in Miami to try and revitalize the U, that's very significant. Uh, there's also the Tony Elliott. It looks like it's looking like um, it will be Virginia. We already know Brent Venables. Do you all want to attack the um, in, any of these individual moves first, or, or do you want to jump straight to like Dabo, Clemson, and, and the future of the Tigers football? Because – there's uh there's there's lots of threads to this that I find are pretty interesting. I, let's start with Clemson first because I don't know about you guys. The athletic director moves. They're like, yeah, I don't, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, but the bigger deal is, what's the conversation in the last several years has been, you know, how are we going to break up the monopoly that Bama, Ohio State. Oklahoma and Clemson have had. And we've seen this thing broken up a little bit. Georgia's still there. Bama's still in the playoff. But I think when we've had these discussions, well, because it, when it's happening, you never know, like, how does the end happen? It's like too late. And then you're like, what happened? But when we've tried to predict, or not even predict, because I don't think any of us want it to happen, but it's just when you look at ways that dynasties come to an end, I've always said you miss on a quarterback or you miss on your coordinator hires. Because if you're that good of a program, you're going to have cycle and you're going to have turnovers. And if you look at other programs that have 
you know, that were once storied programs. Florida State's one of them. Uh, you know, I look at Texas at the end of Mac Brown, like missed on a few quarterbacks, and that was kind of the beginning of the end. Um, so now you've got – I'm not saying they've missed on DJ Uyungle yet, but that was not the quarterback play that we were used to. Now you've got another massive challenge in losing both of your coordinators. And I do think this is different than losing a co-offensive coordinator in Jeff Scott. Um, it's probably equivalent to losing Chad Morris. And I do think the, the offense hasn't been as good without Chad Morris there or as innovative, I guess, because they've had the talent. They've been able to win without it. I just think it's a different looking system that might have been carried by some of the incredible talent they've had. So now this is like a really like this will be the first massive test, I think, for Dabo Sweeney to have to pass and carry this program to keep it going the way it's been going or else there will be a setback. And every other ACC team probably is thinking the same thing like, ooh, is this our chance? And I think you've got it like as a as an outsider of non Clemson. Like, I think you've got to be excited. as This is an opportunity maybe from other, other teams to make some inroads. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be a concern because this is a program, like you mentioned Chad Morris was the OC and then it was Jeff Scott, Tony Elliott doing the co-coordinators. But for the most part, like this has been a very stable program from like a coaching front and just from the top down where it's like you compare it to Alabama, which is proof that it can, you know, it's this isn't a death knell for Clemson. Programs can overcome this kind of stuff. Alabama does it every single year where Nick is kind of rotating guys in and out of important spots and finding replacements. And, you know, the, the machine keeps moving on. But that's not something that Clemson's really dealt with yet so this is kind of a first time thing for them because in the last few years now you lost you lost scott to usf you're losing tony to virginia you've lost venables to oklahoma so you're going to have new coordinators on both sides of the ball and from everything i've read so far it sounds like it's going to be internal hires like they're not going to be going outside so maybe that helps kind of keep the stability and everything going forward of what you do. Everybody's just kind of stepping up and taking on a larger role, but you're still going to have from the looks of it, first time decision makers and play callers in both these roles, which could lead to problems early in the season and maybe, you know, cost you a game or two that in the end ends up costing you a playoff spot. So I do feel like with the questions around DJU with all these coaching changes in the off season, Clemson's going to go into next year, I think, a lot more vulnerable than it's used to being. Like, we were surprised by them going with three, you know, nine and three this season. It was a disappointment. I think next year, when it comes time for us to start doing our predictions, we're probably going to be predicting Clemson to be about nine and three. So it's going to be interesting to see whether they exceed those expectations, whether they continue to go back, or what happens. It's it's one of the more fascinating things about next season already that I, I'm kind of interested in watching. And as for Dan Radakovich... Like you said, Danny, like AD changes don't really mean a whole ton to me, especially when it's like like he he's not the guy who hired Dabo. So oh, for no. me, so that doesn't really impact them. And as you said, Chip, like he did, he's a, he's a projects guy. Miami's got a lot of projects. There's been the talk of wanting that on campus stadium. He's somebody that maybe they think can help them get that done. So that's that's what's going on there. So it makes plenty of sense for that, and it doesn't really concern me about Clemson, but. I think it will be interesting. And, and they also know that the athletic director that they're hiring again, I believe, is going to be an internal promotion from like guy that's been second in charge for years is not going to be in the top spot. So it's interesting. I don't know if it's going to be a terrible thing for them, though. He, There was an opportunity here for Dabo Sweeney to have a Nick Saban fork in the road because mm -hmm. Nick Saban's ability 
to deal with staff turnover to me is one of the things that has helped him elevate his status and continue to have success throughout the college football playoff era. Um, I know that the offensive staff did change a little bit through the BCS era, but you know, Kirby was there for about a decade as the defensive coordinator. Um, and then all of a sudden you had to start figuring out, you know, new faces to get in there and you had to find ways to be able to maintain that high level of play and compete for national championships started losing offensive coordinators pretty regularly. And then you had to find ways to replace them. You had to try one year with Brian Dayball, didn't work. And you had to have the, you know, knowledge to like, okay, we got to move on this right now and, and make some changes. And I think that Dabo Sweeney, there was a chance, and this is just me being selfish as someone who likes to talk about the sport and follow it. There was a chance for us to see what Dabo looks like as someone who goes out to make these hires is something that we've talked about a lot in recent weeks about a, a value of a head coach that can make you a good head coach. How good are you at making hires? How good are you at interviewing candidates, finding someone who's going to fit your team, your, your roster and bringing them in and finding success. They're going to keep it all in the family. That's a very, very Clemson move. But I wonder if, you know, there could be opportunities to, um, to bring in new voices and I wonder if, and I only say that not because I think it won't work to promote internally, but because the greatest college football coach of all time has shown that bringing in new voices, and Saban has said this specifically about Kiffin, I know, allowed him to change his perspective in ways that he started to think were better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I also think, too, like just Clemson's fan base isn't like the Alabama fan base as far as like its vocalness online and its size online and how mad it gets at you online. But I will say from like my interactions with Clemson fans, most of them don't seem all that upset about Elliott leaving. Like they, they were more upset about Venables and a lot of them think it might be a good thing for them offensively to get some new ideas in there. I do think a year changes things too. You know, maybe at the end of last year, getting bounced from the playoff the way they did. But this... I like I would tend to agree with you know we have a comment in here from Wade um I don't think Tony is a great coordinator like the returns haven't been outstanding and if you watch some of their games you have heard some other analysts be pretty critical of the play calling I do think it has helped a lot to have Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence bailing them out of some of the plays so I and remember though this thing that's interesting about this I I would echo your sentiment chip I hope he goes outside I hope because you, things do get stale. People watch your concepts. They start to catch up to them. They start to counter those uh, on both sides of the ball. I think it'd be wise for Dabo to look outside, bring in some new voice, some new perspective, not culturally, because they have a great culture, buy into the family, all that, but schematically to get some new life, some new blood in there. And if you remember, Dabo was on the hot seat at one time early in his career. And guess what he did? He, he was forced to bring in Brent Venables and Chad Morris and the rest is history. Like those, that was one of the best things that ever happened to Dabo was his hand was forced and he did have to make those changes. So I think that'll be interesting to see. Does he go outside or does he come from within? I hope he goes outside. I think that's best for the program. Do do like the Nick Saban finishing school for wayward coaches, but they like Manny Diaz in to run the defense and who could he bring in for offensive? (laughs) Um, Who's out there right now? What if he hires Bill O'Brien away? Oh. <laughs> so, all right, let's 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 get uh, let, let's get really weird here before we discuss Tony Elliott at UVA. Do you, does this change your view on Dabo's timeline with Clemson? I I kind of half jokingly said in the text thread yesterday, I was like, so does this mean Dabo's going to the Raiders or something? Because you know. 
the Raiders. Like, loves drafting Dabo. Clemson players, and it's like he needs a coach, and Dabo's losing all his coaches, and it's like, well, screw it. Maybe I'll just get the coach. I love his players so much. But no, I don't know. I don't think that – I mean, where's Dabo going to go right now? I don't think the NFL really makes a ton of sense for him. It's an awful fit, personality, yeah. like just style-wise, the motivation, the family atmosphere, which is great. And I would send my son to play with him uh, for him in a heartbeat. I just don't know if it works at the next level. Um, Dabo Sweeney citing the only exciting part of Raiders' brutal loss from the Las Vegas Review-Journal talking about Dabo being on the sideline in Raiders gear for that 17-15 to defeat to the Washington football team. I mean, if this, I think that the Las Vegas Raiders fan base, which is, of course, a national fan base, you know, all over the place, plenty in California and, and really throughout the entire country, it is, it is hilarious that the Las Vegas Raiders are pining for old Dabo Sweeney. Yeah. <laughs> quite a cultural shift. Quite a shift. <laughs> Dabo's appearing at the uh, he's 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 at the MGM tonight. He's doing a one man show. <laughs> but I mean, you know, like I'm, there's there, there's there's plenty in uh, there's, there's plenty in Las Vegas for everybody. It's 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 not it's it's not always as great as uh, it's cracked up to be, but it's not as bad as some people try to vilify it for. So I'm much love to Vegas. Uh, all right, what about Elliot to UVA? Because if Clemson fans are you know, having, as you mentioned, a little, some mixed reactions here, how Danny, it's a C plus. Um, but how do we <laughs> look at, uh, look at this higher in terms of, uh, Virginia moving ahead with, uh, a, a coordinator, a coach who has been in the mix, um, for other power five jobs, even potentially sec jobs in recent years. If, if you just look at it like that, like if I were to say, Hey, this guy turns down, uh, reportedly, allegedly, may have turned down Tennessee, and now he's decided to come to your university. If I'm a Virginia fan, I'm like, okay, this guy, we're getting a, we're getting a good one from the coaching market. Um, do you think that Tony Elliott in Virginia is going to be a fit that's going to be able to deliver some results that uh, Wahoo's fans could be excited with? I, we don't know the results. Danny C plus me. I have no idea if it'll work. I think it's a good hire. I, I I think it makes a lot of sense for a lot of the reasons we were talking yesterday, Chip, about why I thought Tony Elliott made sense for Duke. As far as a cultural fit, this is a good place for Tony Elliott because if you think of the culture of the Clemson program, they have, you know, they're always recruiting the OKGs, the R kind of guys. And Tony Elliott's been a great recruiter at helping identify the guys that they want and then convincing them to come. And at Virginia, you have to recruit in a different way because of the academic standards of the school. It's one of the you know tougher public schools to get into in the country. So you can't just recruit everybody that you can recruit everywhere else. So you need a guy who knows how to get around that. He's a smart guy. He's a very good recruiter. He understands the area. He's recruited in the area for years. I mean, he's from California, but he spent his entire professional career and collegiate playing career you know, in the Carolinas, in that region. So I think he makes a ton of sense. And obviously he understands part of the blueprint from being at Clemson of what it takes to build a successful program. So if you're Virginia and you kind of unexpectedly lose Bronco Mendenhall all of a sudden at this point of the carousel, I think being able to land somebody like Tony Elliott, it's about as good as you could hope for realistically. Agree with everything you said. The only thing I would just like counter with 
is you learn how to build a cult, you know, you learn how to build a program culture at Clemson. And I totally agree. I love the family all in mindset, but you know what else helps build that program? The talent on yeah. the, the four and five star players that are all over the field. Then you're not going to have access to those at Virginia. You can try, but it's going to be the same issue that Brian Kelly dealt with at Notre Dame. When you go give him that list of 10 players, there's maybe one. When you go to Clemson, it's okay. Here, do you need five more? Like, do you need to go a little bit further? So I think that'll be challenging. I also think it's fascinating because I'm sure you guys have seen the Brent Venables like presser and stuff. Man, does he sound like he just is building like and he started. I know he started at Oklahoma, but man, you can tell he learned about culture and building family and all this stuff at Clemson. He's bringing that to Norman, which you can do in college. Like, that's the great part mm -hmm. about it. And I think that's something that should excite you. I do think it'll be, again, curious to see where Tony Elliott goes with his coordinator positions who does he does he bring guys with him from clemson does he go from what out does he kind of piecemeal this together because i think that'll be a huge part of it because robert and i that system like virginia fans i know they weren't happy with the overall you know bronco mendenhall experience but like maybe you say hey robert and i do you want to stay on and be my coordinator because is brandon armstrong coming out yet is he, has I, he been announced i don't know if he's announced i think i i, I think he might come back honestly I just yeah. don't know what his NFL kind of yeah, evaluation is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, that offense, that's going to, that could be a, a blow to the system for Virginia fans. If all of a sudden they come out there and they're not throwing for 400 yards a game. And I get it's a little bit too one dimensional, but they've got some talent there on that side of the ball for sure. Tom, did you get the DM from the Virginia fan who was saying, uh, is like, yeah, 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 they put up a bunch of yards, but the season's on the line again. Not season, the game's on the line against your biggest rival, and you throw it to the right tackle. Like, it's just like, like what? Maybe they don't. Well, that was a good point, though. That's a fair point. <laughs> like, we, we love the creativity, but if it's very funny that that one play seems to have really dug, and, and I understand, against a zombie Virginia Tech team, it was not the way that you wanted to finish the season in the Commonwealth Cup, but it was. Didn't you get that message? Uh, no, I think that was Bud. I but I mean, yeah, no creativity. I'll probably it's get it now because we're just recommending Robert and I as a holdover. I'll definitely get it. <laughs> it's like it creativity is a double-edged sword. So yeah. yeah, I know Brennan Armstrong was 450 yards a game, but the season's on the line against a coachless Hokies team, and you throw it to the right tackle. Come on, well, if the right tackle makes the play. No, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it could have been one for the ages, though. You swing for the fences. I mean, mm -hmm. could have been magic. He, what, what if he knew uh, he, he knew that Bronco was about to uh, resign and he's like, let's go. I've been waiting for this. I haven't I haven't drilled this every Thursday at the end of practice to not be able to at least see if it works. Come on. Yep. Um, OK, so and uh, I mentioned earlier, uh, Anthony Poindexter had a very uh, like cryptic tweet coming out and saying like the time isn't right now. Um, you know, much love to the like Virginia program, but I'll be staying at Penn state. So I'm reading this like Tony Elliott was the second choice that there was some sort of ongoing discussions between Anthony Poindexter an all American back at UVA, you know, somebody who, you know, was right there with Brent Pry at, at Penn state uh, leading the defense, though, not calling the plays as a, I believe David Cobb pointed out. Um, but I, you know, so Jerry Ratcliffe, who's covered Virginia for a long time, uh, he says, a source says, quote, 
Apparently, UVA failed to produce something that Poindexter requested, and it's not money. What that, quote, something was, no sources could confirm. Uh, speculation is that Virginia asked Poindexter to keep some of former Coach Bronco Mendenhall's staff, and that Poindexter balked. Possibly. there's, there's It could be a number of different things. I mean, it's like somebody tweeted too. I can't remember who it was, but it was like Poindexter, something fell apart. And that's probably what it was, but it's, it could be that it could be a commitment to facilities and building. It could be anything about, like we talk about Tony Elliott and what you can and cannot recruit to Virginia. Maybe Poindexter was hoping he gets more, you know, relaxed kind of academic Standards. requirements for players and they wouldn't budge. And I don't know, I, it could be anything. It's it, it, Poindexter obviously is a Virginia alum. He played there. So whatever it was, maybe, hell, maybe Penn State just came and said, maybe James is like, listen, man. I can't lose both. <laughs> I already lost half my defensive coordinators. How about this raise and you stay? And yeah. maybe that convinced him to stay. Who knows? But it's, you know, there, there's all sorts of things that could put these things together. And, you know, if, if it wasn't working, it's better to figure that out now than to just be like, ah, screw it. I'll take it and we'll figure it out later because that usually doesn't work. Anything else uh, from the coaching carousel that has stood out? I saw uh, Mike McIntyre looks like he's going to be at FIU. Uh, what were some of the other? Uh, Is Jason Garrett. Did you guys already talk Jason Garrett to Duke? Did I miss that show? Yeah, we talked about it a little bit yesterday. Are we want that though. I mean, I kind of want it to happen just for our content purposes, right? I mean, yes, please give me some more of that. That's never been in the collegiate game, but he went to Princeton, so he's smart. And that's we what we said. Yeah. We said nerds only apply because, mm -hmm. yeah. like, even Tony Elliott's a little bit of a nerd. Nice, yeah, got yeah. an engineering degree. What a nerd! <laughs> um, it we'll see. I, you know. He, I was wondering if uh, if maybe the the Jason Garrett wasn't them also doing some background info on some other coaches. You know, yeah. like, like Dabo Sweeney to Oklahoma it doesn't mean Dabo Sweeney to Oklahoma. It means Oklahoma's talking to Dabo Sweeney about Brent Venables. Yeah. Like one of maybe those good point. connections. Maybe, maybe uh, Jason Garrett could be Dabo's new offensive coordinator. <laughs> Let's go. Buckle mm. up. Uh, when we, uh, on the assistant coaching carousel, uh, LSU lost, or I guess he, I wasn't sure if Corey Raymond was going to be, uh, officially retained by Brian Kelly, but, uh, Corey Raymond, a defensive back coach for LSU has landed at Florida. Randy Shannon is going to be the new linebackers coach at Florida state. Uh, as, as you're looking at some of these other pieces on the uh, assistant coaching carousel, anything stand out? I love Randy Shannon. Just uh -huh. like he's been the assistant or head coach at like every single school in Florida, at least twice. <laughs> Danny, do you know him? Uh, yeah, I covered him a couple times, covered some of his games when he's at Miami. I've met him a few times at UCF. Like I've met him a couple times along. He's a great dude. Like you can make like some of these guys are like, oh, yeah, great guy, like fits in easy, like it's a good fit. But that is a confusing one for a lot of Florida, Florida State, UCF, Miami fans. Like, what do you do with him? Like, do you still root for him or do you hate him? Like, it's it's an interesting one. Is he just in with like the like you, just, you get him and you and you are getting relationships with yeah, yeah. with yeah. all the high school uh, yeah. all the high school coaches recruiting is awesome and I think he's a good defensive mind too. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, he's a good coach and he's got tons of recruiting connections within the state. Yeah. So what what's what, what's the haps with the uh, Max Johnson, huh? Danny, I don't know. I think it'd be awesome. I did. I forget who it was said, you know, package deal in the works potentially. 
I have texted my guy Brad directly just to find out what the heck's going on. I got to get to the bottom of this and see what's up. My, but I don't know, like, what's legal, what's not legal as a Florida State alum. Like, what can I do? Oh yeah, you I, don't want to be a booster and cause an NCAA violation. Exactly. On and yet, and yet, we could like funnel some money. He could be a cover three NIL project too. We could just pay him a boatload of money to be the face of our podcast. And he has to do it in a Florida State uniform. We could do that legally, but I probably couldn't text him or something. That would be illegal, which is all such a sham. Uh, I think it'd be great. I liked what I saw on the field from him. I know Mike Norvell is not, you know, not that he's not happy with Jordan Travis, but you're always looking to upgrade, and that would be a significant one to me. And if you get his younger brother as a tight end, would be pretty fun too. And I know I, I feel like Brad would like it. I wouldn't be surprised if George is in play. I haven't even looked. I don't even pay attention like where the top choices are. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he grew up in Athens. They need a quarterback too. So, give me, give me Brad's number. I want to text him and tell him all about beautiful Champaign, Illinois. I want to let him know everything <laughs> that's available to him there and what the Illini can do for his children. Yeah, what did uh, what did Bud say? He's like, hey, have you spent your entire oh. life in the Southeast? <laughs> like, <laughs> welcome to Champaign, Illinois. Listen, he might get drafted by Buffalo. You got to be ready. <laughs> That's right. That is true. Coca had a good one that we did not talk about. Mark Whipple to Nebraska. Like, I was surprised when Mark Whipple stepped down. Must be a personality thing with Narduzzi because he come off that year and you just step down. Uh, and then a day later, take the job at Nebraska. I think Nebraska is poised. I'm sure you guys probably feel the same way. I mean, when you're three and nine, but you lose all those games by one possession, it feels like you're close. I, I, the, Adrian Martinez is in the transfer portal. It looks like he's leaving. So you get a fresh start at quarterback. Bring in Whipple, who's an offensive mind that just, you know, led this offense with Kenny Pickett, who I do think is like, I don't think he's Joe Burrow. I don't think he's that trans, you know, transition, like um, transcendent, transcendent talent. Thank you. But I do, like he's a good quarterback that mm-hmm. was developed into this great quarterback. Like, I think that should be exciting for Nebraska fans. Like, mm-hmm. I think Nebraska could turn this thing around sooner rather than later. And by the way, if they don't, I think you know we all know what happens then. But I think this is a, this is a big opportunity for Nebraska. There's also it depends on who you talk to. Sometimes people are just, but there are some people who think Spencer Rattler is going to end up in Lincoln too. Mm. So. So Scott Frost did the Jim Harbaugh, right? He did the mm-hmm. renegotiated deal for less money. And uh, my unsourced rumor that I'm going to bring to the Cover 3 podcast is it It sounded to me like Mark Whipple is going to be getting uh, a nice little pay raise. Like it, it might not even be bad feelings with Pat Narduzzi. When I saw the resignation, I was like, oh, that's alarming. And then you see him land and it was like, oh, yeah, like they're – they are going to go and they're going to throw some money. Um, what is it? Mickey Joseph is going to be also coming in uh, mm-hmm. and joining that staff. So they they are reallocating some funds to try to be able to improve uh, a staff that most of which was like fired before the end of the season, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're doing whatever they can for definitely a last ditch effort. And what I will challenge uh, Nebraska is we're all going to be on your side. Like there was that first freshman year where they win the last four games, they finish four and eight overall, and we're coming back. We're talking about Adrian Martinez, his sophomore season, like he's some kind of Heisman Trophy dark horse. You know, we get let down, and then in next season we kind of get let down. But this season, as you mentioned, with the way that they played against the best teams on their schedule, against a very difficult schedule, I think that everybody's going to be on the side of like, not that you're going to win ten games, but the expectation is that this is going to be a seven eight. 
maybe more win team and dealing with expectations sometimes can be as difficult as, you know, trying to address the problems in personnel and coaching. They got to get to a bowl game next year. I mean, if they don't, it's just, yeah. And sad. I think they will. I think they will. I hope they do. Cause it's, (laughs) I, I think it's better for the big 10. Yeah. Without a doubt. And like, when you look at the rest of the division, there's, there's no reason against the six teams that Nebraska plays in its division, there should be three to four wins there. I don't know. I mean, Illinois is a transcendent power. But three s- three to four. As long as one of them is not Illinois. Okay. <laughs> I'm asking you to go three and three in division play and then go and catch me a couple of non-cons. Does, does Nebraska, who is their non-con next year? Let me check that real quick. See what that is, so we can start. This is a great. This is great podcasting, by the way. Well, I mean, we're trying to give the most accurate information because otherwise, I could just. Uh, Let's go see ahead. their schedule next year. They open with Northwestern in Ireland, so that's kind of a weird thing. They've got North Dakota, so that's a win. Georgia Southern in Lincoln, that should be a win. But they've got Oklahoma again this time in Lincoln. That's rough. So like. Now you've I don't got know, that's year, year one Brent Venables, you know, post uh, transfer portal exodus. Yeah, but you're huh. still, you're still, there's still a gap between you and them. You know well, what I mean? And I don't know but, if that gets closed. Well, I was going to say you glossed over North Dakota pretty quick. Aren't they a pretty good FCS? But I know North Dakota State is good, but I think North yeah, Dakota no, is pretty solid. good too. Like you better make sure you win that one. That's first. Like that, that'll be Oklahoma's third or fourth game too. So it's like if it was the first game of the season, I would feel like Nebraska had a better shot with all their continuity going against a whole new staff. But a month into the year, I don't know. Crossovers, they get Rutgers, Indiana, and Michigan, yes. and both Rutgers and Michigan are on the road. So mm-hmm. I don't. It's gonna be tough to win that Michigan game. But Rutgers and Indiana is a pretty like when you're a Big Ten West team and you get your three East opponents. If you get the Rutgers and Indiana or Maryland on there, you're generally pretty happy with it. Any combination of Rutgers, Indiana, and Maryland. Is, mm. Has any Big Ten West team ever gotten all three? Because that's a Big Ten West champion right there. <laughs> uh, Illinois has had Maryland and Rutgers a lot lately, but I don't think anybody's ever had all three because of the way that like the protected rivalries and all that stuff work. Put it in the. Uh, I'll, I'll. That's a challenge for the mailbag. Find me the time that a Big Ten West team has drawn in a nine-game conference schedule, or will draw if they've got the future schedule set. Uh, Rutgers, Indiana, and Maryland, because that's that's how you make it to Indianapolis, right there. But you know what the good news is for Nebraska as far as bowl eligibility next year? Like obviously they have Northwestern and Ireland, but if you look at their home games in the Big Ten, Indiana, Minnesota, Purdue, and Illinois. Like those are teams you can beat, and you're getting them all at home, which means you should beat them. But they were supposed to beat a lot of teams this year too. <laughs> yeah, they were supposed to beat Illinois and Lincoln a couple of years ago too, and we saw what happened there, didn't we? Chesty uh, about Illinois football. Just this saying, we dominate December. the Huskers here. That's what we do. Danny, um, enjoy Army Navy. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Watch CBS Sports HQ to see him. Joe Musso. Yeah, he's our host. Hey. Who else, who else is going to be? Uh, is it just a two of y'all? Or I think else? it might be. I think it's just a two man show. I think and, so. Uh, Musso, Musso's yeah. from Chicago. He'll be out there in a t shirt. He'll be exactly. fine. He won't care. <laughs> and Dane's from Wisconsin. He's used yeah. to it. I'll yeah. be the one bundled up. It's 65. Yeah, They're going to be like, it's so warm. I'll be out there with a trench coat on, <laughs> scarf. <laughs> 
So check him out on CBS Sports HQ. And of course, follow him on Twitter at Danny Cannell. You can watch Tom and I on the Army Navy Watch Party on YouTube.com slash Cover 3. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Pennelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.